Good morning. morning. Welcome to worship at Northminster. You may have seen that the Monroe Civic Center is currently sheltering 700 of our neighbors from South Louisiana, some South Louisiana parishes who evacuated here mostly by bus because of Hurricane Ida. The United Way of Northeast Louisiana is taking the lead in providing needed items for these uh, uh, evacuees. If you're interested in helping, click on Embrace Louisiana on the United Way's website, unitedwaynela.org, to see how you can give to that effort. Next Sunday, Reverend Paula Dempsey will be our pulpit guest. Paula is the Director of Partnership Relations for the Alliance of Baptists and also a longtime friend of Northminster. So please plan to join us next Sunday in welcoming Paula to Northminster. As always, please review the insert in the order of worship for other announcements and opportunities, or check out our newsletter. If you don't receive the newsletter by email, you can find it on our website under the Faith Formation tab. Now, let us all join together as we worship God who gives us hope. As we gather today, we are all painfully aware of our sisters and brothers who have been affected by the Hurricane Ida in South Louisiana and in the Northeast U.S. We seek hope this morning, and may the hope we seek be the hope they need, and that All that we do this morning will be pervaded by thoughts and prayers for them in all we say and in all we do. Let us worship the Lord. We come together and assemble our joys, our concerns, our good news, our pain in a neat stack for all to share, to lay before God. God, hear our voice. If our failures were your way of judging us, how could we stand before you, O God? But with you, God, there is forgiveness. We wait for you, O God. In your word, we put our hope. Let us worship the God who hears the voice of our complaint. Thanks be to God.
evolution of a hymn, which is our unique way of expressing our faith through the music of the people, usually has an interesting story. The name is certainly true for today's opening hymn, All My Hope in God is Founded. The great hymn writer Fred Pratt Green was commissioned to create a poetic translation of an original German text, the theme of which is our abiding trust in God. Fred Pratt Green generally wrote an original poetry for his hymns, so this one veers away from his usual style of writing. However, as with many of his other hymns, it conveys deep spiritual faith in the living God. It was set to the hymn tune, Michael, composed by famed British organist and composer, Herbert Howells. The name comes from that of his young son who died in childhood. This tragedy, no doubt, found its way for Howells and his family to place their only hope for healing in the great God of grace. Let us now sing together the hymn tune Michael and the text, All My Hope on God is Founded. Let us pray. O oh God, our hope and refuge, in our distress we come to you. The shock and horror of that tragic day, September 11th, 2001, has subsided. 
Replace now with an emptiness, a longing for innocence lost. We come remembering those who lost their lives in New York, Washington, D.C., and Pennsylvania. We are mindful of the sacrifice of public servants who demonstrated the greatest love of all by laying down their lives for their friends. We commit anew their souls to your eternal care and celebrate their gifts to a humanity so in need of heroes. We come remembering and we come in hope, not in ourselves, but in you. As foundations we once thought secure have been shaken, we are reminded of the illusion of security. In commemorating this tragedy, we give you thanks for your presence in our time of need, and we seek to worship you in spirit and in truth. O God, our guide and our guardian. Amen.
10 years ago when I told a certain seventh grader that I loved that song, I never thought that I would uh, hear it like this. Uh, you have guided us with uh, graciousness. Where are you? Uh, your song. Thank you. The scripture this morning is found in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 11. Listen for the word of God to you this day. The Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Foreigners shall till your land and dress your vines. But you shall be called priests of the Lord. You shall be named ministers of our God. You shall enjoy the wealth of the nations and in their riches you shall glory. Because their shame was double and dishonor was proclaimed as their lot, therefore they will possess a double portion. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are the people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation, and he has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. May the Lord add blessing to the reading of the word and increase its understanding and knowledge in our hearts.
D.H., that was sermon number one. <laughs> sermon, num sermon number two. I find myself saying hope more and more these days. I hope I can. I hope we will. I hope it does. I hope, I hope, I hope. I hope the pastor search committee finds the one for whom we search. I hope the last hurricane has blown into Louisiana this year. I hope the people of the Gulf Coast and the Northeast can breathe soon. I hope local, state, and federal aid get there in a timely manner. I hope the aid will be fulsome enough to meet their needs. I hope we'll be able to take off these masks soon. And one of the main reasons is when I preach, I don't know what the hell you're thinking. I got your eyes, and, and I read that, and I see in your eyes sometimes affirmation, stink eye or two around here, but I need to see your face. We need to see each other's faces. So I hope people will get vaccinated 
and that COVID-19 and all its variants will die. I hope your surgery goes well. I hope you get over your depression. I hope you can go on with life alone. I hope you can grieve past your loss. I hope you can get through this semester. I hope you can get a good job. I hope you understand. I hope you forgive me. I hope you'll give me another chance. I hope you'll find what you're seeking. I hope the people of Afghanistan will build a land of peace and freedom. I hope the evacuees and those awaiting evacuation, evacuation will receive the help they need. I hope men will cease making laws to control the bodies of women. I hope the Supreme Court will eventually act with compassion and justice. I hope this 9-11 finds the world just as resolute to fight terror anywhere as it was back then. I hope you come back to visit Northminster soon. I hope you like it here. I hope you join us here. I hope Northminster continues to minister far into the future. I hope, I hope, I hope. How about you? Fill in the blank. I hope. What are your most heartfelt hopes? Are you hoping more these days, hoping more and worried less? Are you hoping more because you're worried more? Do we use the word hope too casually? Why do we hope so much? Is it because we're hopeful or because we're hopeless? Maybe we're caught somewhere in the middle, somewhere between hopeful and hopeless. The text before us this morning in Isaiah is a word of hope. Did you feel it? Did you sense it? It comes to us from a time not unlike our own, a time stuck in between hopeful and hopeless. The people of God knew hopelessness. They'd been there. They'd done that. They'd got the T-shirt. And the T-shirt of hopelessness read, My parents went into exile in Babylon and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> Exile was hopelessness defined. Ripped from their homes and families, carried off to captivity, herded into a small section of a big foreign city, stripped of their culture, their customs, their religion, their heritage, this, their land. But this text does not come from the midst of exile. This text comes from the third section of Isaiah. Probably should have been announced this morning that the reading was 3rd Isaiah 61, 1 through 11, because it was probably written after the children of Israel returned from the exile of captivity. Biblical scholars divide Isaiah into three parts, as I've said. First, Isaiah was written from the perspective of Isaiah of Jerusalem before the exile in Babylon. The first 39 chapters reveal God's work, even in exile, bringing them forth out of exile. Second Isaiah, the book of comfort, because it begins, comfort, comfort my people, in the 40th chapter. Here, a student in the school of Isaiah's thought is proclaiming good news to the people carried away from Israel and forced to live in Babylon and live under Babylonian religious and civil laws. Second Isaiah preaches comfort, but also promises deliverance from the captivity of exile 
and the return to the land and the life they thought was gone forever. But in the 61st chapter, the scene changes again. Now Israel has been restored to the land. Isaiah's prophesying about the way to build back better. That is why I say they're in between. They've been delivered, they're home, they're free. Now what? What happens when your dreams come true and you still don't know what to do? What happens when you get what you've hoped for but things aren't as good as you thought they would be? When you get home and home isn't all it's cracked up to be. Home is not what it used to be or supposed to be or could be. What happens when you get your hopes up just to see them crumble to the ground? After the return from Babylonian exile, the high hopes of Israel were dashed by the bitter reality of rebuilding their land, their nation, their lives. And the hopeless that follows on the heels of hopeful can be the most brutal hopeless of them all. So into this disillusioned time, God speaks a word. A word powerful enough to dispel the disillusionment and bring hard-headed hope. Hope hard-headed enough to keep on hoping in the hard times. Hope hard-headed enough to get you through the hard time. For the third time, God sends one known as Isaiah to deliver the good news. The word this time is one of liberation, celebration, and exaltation. Yet all this will happen not because of human effort. Human agency, yes, we are anointed to fulfill the word of the Lord, but it is the word of the Lord that brings the good news to be. Human instrumentality, yes, but human accomplishment, no. God is the one who gives cause for hope, God alone. The Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations, the Lord God alone. So I hope your hope is in the Lord, not in yourselves. I hope your hope is in the Lord, not in any pastor in the past or in the future. I hope your hope is in the Lord, not others. I hope your hope is in the Lord, not in a system or an institution, not in the stars or fate or luck, but in the Lord, the Lord your God. There are two stories that may illustrate this for us this morning. The first story is the woeful tale of Pastor Jack, a simple country preacher determined to help his flock. One of his sheep was pretty sick and in the local hospital, and so Pastor Jack dutifully went to visit the ill church member in hopes of providing some comfort. He entered the room to find his church member hooked up to a vast web of tubes and lines. He approached the hospital bed but kept a safe distance. He greeted the ailing one with a gentle good cheer. After a brief conversation, Pastor Jack offered to pray. He came even closer to the bed to take the person's hand and began to pray in the manner to which his members had become accustomed. On and on and on and on. But this time the prayer seemed to be causing even greater discomfort than usual. The man became downright uh, filled with God-awful sounds, and he was groaning and moaning and gasping something fierce. 
Pastor Jack didn't know what to do, so he just prayed harder and prayed louder and prayed longer, and the man just began to convulse, and finally the nurse got there. The emergency ended. Because of the calamity, unbeknownst to Pastor Jack, while getting close up and personal with his sick sheep, he had inadvertently stepped on and remained on the man's oxygen line. His deeply chagrined grin said much more than the timid, sorry, I feel like Pastor Jack frequently. (laughs) Just stepping on somebody's oxygen line while praying away hard and loud. I have no hope to bring of my own. And the harder I bear down, the worse it gets on the one who needs to breathe. Our hope is not in ourselves, our intelligence, our determination, our ingenuity, our creativity, our piety, our morality, our diligence, our propriety. Our efforts, no matter how great those efforts may be, cannot accomplish what is needed. We are humanly hopeless. The best we can ever do to undo the worst we can do. And it's not just us who are incapable of inculcating hope. Our hope is not in others either. Some of us always look to someone else to get us out of a jam, get us on our feet, get us on the right track. But other humans are precisely that, human beings. Frail, fallible, faulty. They cannot give us the hope to build a life on, a hope for eternity. They cannot give us the kind of hard-headed hope, hope despite it all, in face of it all, through it all, beyond it all. Human beings, even when trying their best to be their best, are not good enough for the hope we need. Not even when they are in the church. Not even when they're doing something they hope is holy. It is essential that our hope is in the God to which our actions point, never in the actions themselves, which brings me to my second story. This Life is Stranger Than Fiction account was given by a pastor friend as a part of her report on attending a national church convention. As you might know, such assemblies on a national level can be quite controversial. This one was particularly contentious, resulting in two armed warring camps. Imagine several thousand opinionated Christians all vying for the adoption of their opinion as church canon law. I'm sure it's hard to do. I'm sure not any of us around here are opinionated Christians. <laughs> My friend tells me that the last night in which a service of reconciliation is held, the hope is that they'll unify a terribly divided denomination. They ask all the participants to come forward to be anointed with oil as a sign of reconciliation and hope of unity. Now, unlike me, I get into those things. My friend didn't like it at all. But she went along to get along, and she went down to the front. She kneels. A barobed minister calls her to reconciliation and unity while applying oil to her forehead. That's when it happened. A burning sensation. Her forehead was on fire. She ran to the washroom bawling, splashed it with water. It didn't help. Ran to the first aid station only to have to stand in line with a host of others all holding their foreheads and groaning in their own agony. Come to find out that the worship leaders had used straight essence of frankincense 
as anointing oil. Now, folks, that should be diluted with olive oil, something like 10 parts to one. But they were going to get this reconciliation and unity done. They used full-strength frankincense. Her report went on to say that human efforts at reconciliation are bound to be like that. We can concoct all the magic motions we want. We can go through all the rituals and ceremonies we can imagine. But when it comes right down to it, only God can reconcile us with each other. Only in Christ can we be one. We need to remember that even in holy moments doing holy acts, only the one is holy who is holy can make what we humans do holy. Only God can make what we call holy into hope. So how about a little hope? Not from me, not from yourself, not from others, not from the institution called the church or any other human institution. Hope is not safety and security in our homes and on our streets. That's a good thing, but not in and of itself without God's help. So how about a little hope from the only reliable source of hope, hope in the Lord? Are you oppressed? I've got good news, hope in the Lord. Are you brokenhearted? You can be whole, hope in the Lord. Are you held captive? You can be free, hope in the Lord. You can be released if you hope in the Lord. Are you living in the ruins of your life? You can be rebuilt. Hope in the Lord. Are you devastated by life? You can be restored. Hope in the Lord. Are you feeling cursed? You can be blessed. Hope in the Lord. Have the garments of your heart been shredded and tattered by the lashing of life? Your heart can be clothed in the highest fashion. Decked out in the most fancy finery, the Lord is your designer, according to this text. Hope in the Lord. Have you ever felt like a neglected garden, all weeds and thorns and emptiness? You can shoot up in growth and spring to life, for the Lord is your gardener, Isaiah tells us. Hope in the Lord, hard-headed hope, hope nevertheless, hope come what may, Hope not based on what you can see or control or calculate. Hope in the Lord, hard-headed hope. And when the Lord anoints you, it will not burn like undiluted frankincense. It'll burn like love. And when the Lord comes to your side, he won't cut off your oxygen supply. He'll supply you with the life you've been gasping for. I hope you hope in the Lord. I hope, we hope in the Lord together. And when they call us hard-headed, we'll say, I hope so.
Tuesday, 9-11-2001, around 8 to 8.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, is one of those moments that most people in the U.S. and many around the world who were going about their daily lives then have indelibly etched into their memories to last forever. Did the world actually change, as many said? Perhaps, or perhaps it was merely a step in some kind of nightmarish transformation into acceptance of the unacceptable. 2,977 dead as a direct result of the attacks. More than 6,000 injured. Among the dead, 344 firefighters, 71 law officers, 55 military personnel, and citizens of over 90 countries. Over 1,400 rescue workers have died since, thought to be a result of exposure to toxins as well as at least 11 documented pregnancy losses, a day indeed to remember. We gathered here that afternoon. Dr. Gaddy was stranded in Colorado. All flights were grounded. Dr. Joanne Jewett and Rabbi David Klein led us in a service of grief and prayer. There was talk of initiating bombing in Afghanistan. That did not happen then. Anger and violence against persons perceived to be of Middle Eastern descent had ensued. We prayed for peace while not knowing if this might be the beginning of the end of peace forever. Fear and uncertainty did not seem to abate in our attempts to invoke God's peace at such a horrible moment. O oh God, our God, why did you forsake us? We echoed the psalmist and Jesus on the cross. Answers, solutions, we came up short and still do 20 years later. But we must, must remember, we must tell our children. Let us speak words of remembrance. You'll find in your order of worship uh, a litany that we will read responsibly, the litany of remembrance, 9-11-2001. We pause to remember all who suffered horrendous loss on 9-11-2001, the thousands who died, those who were injured, those who lost so much, loves of their lives, soulmates, sons, daughters, mothers, dads, those who suffer to this day from the effects of a powerful, vengeful force still at work in the world, those who have come to live in constant fear. We remember with joy a palpable spirit of world community, the outpouring of shared grief, the courage and resolve to work together to ensure We remember human compassion and incredible bravery from first responders and ordinary citizens on the scene, desperately trying to save their brothers and sisters at the risk of their lives, many of which were lost in the process. Thanks be to God for the human spirit, that God-given determination to make things right, no matter what the cost. 
In the ensuing 20 years, the world has continued to witness unspeakable acts committed by misdirected souls, mass killings, suicide bombings, racially motivated violence, and also natural disasters, seemingly unending wars, a deadly worldwide panic. God, where is the hope? Remember. We, we remember. remember. Amen.